Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Roto World Football Podcast. We're taking a break from the press conference series, the draft press conference series, to welcome in Evan Silva, who all of you know. And if you don't, I don't know what rock you've been living under. Um, but we're talking about AFC team and the state of each roster through a fantasy lens with a fantasy focus, however you want to put it. Um, so these podcasts are splitting up into two parts. The first is the AFC West and South, which is obviously this one. That means we'll talk about CJ Anderson in Denver, the trio at running back with the Kansas City Chiefs, what to expect from Amari Cooper in year two with the Oakland Raiders. Antonio Gates is still chugging along somehow with the San Diego Chargers, but will that end the season? Um, then moving on to the AFC South with the Houston Texans and the Mar Miller, that big signing in the offseason with the Colts. They didn't meet expectations in the 2015 season, but could they match them and kind of exceed them in 2016? The Jacksonville Jaguars, how they absolutely will not reach the expectations that they set last season and expect them from a fantasy perspective that production to go down this year. And we'll finish up with the Tennessee Titans and how soon Derrick Henry will take over that lead ball carrier role. So first, once again, starting with Evan here with the Broncos and CJ Anderson. Much requests from our first round mock draft prior to the NFL draft, April 28th NFL draft, where I think I got like, you know, 16 of the 31 picks correct, something like that. We're back to talk about the AFC and kind of the state of each franchise with a bit of a fantasy lens or spin on each. Um, but we should start with the Denver Broncos. Um, so just thinking back, I think the two, there were two different teams a little bit in terms of the playoffs and the regular season. But just thinking about the regular season here, it's not like they got great quarterback play out of Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning. Now Mark Sanchez, Paxton Lynch. Should we expect a big difference or much of the same here for the regular season in 2016? Well, what I'm working on right now, what I'm going to be working on for the next about a month and a half are team by team fantasy previews, looking at, you know, what are my expectations for all the relevant skill position players? And what we're doing right now is we're just going to give like kind of a brief summary. These are my thoughts heading into those previews. And then when I really start to dig deeper into the numbers, you know, some of my opinions might change. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I first see the Broncos, you know, I don't expect them to have a good offense and they didn't have a good offense last year either. But the expectation now is that they're going to, that they're not going to have a good offense and that they're going to try to play, 
elite defense again, and they're going to try to run the ball with a lot of volume, and they're going to essentially try to hide their quarterback. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't okay. matter if it's Sanchez or Paxton Lynch or your boy your boy Trevor Simeon. <laughs> no, my, my boy Zach Dyser is no longer on the roster. Oh, yeah, so. that's right. That's right. He is on a roster, though. Correct. I think the Texans. Um, but uh, so last year with Demarius Thomas, not a good season at all. Um, should we expect, again, improvement in there? Or do you think, one, that Emmanuel Sanders is the quote unquote number one receiver on this team, the top target on this team? And then also, if you could quickly answer after that, obviously re signing CJ Anderson, accepting that deal that he got in the restricted tender. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of been musical chairs at that position for them in recent years. He's the one that has emerged. Do you expect him to kind of be a feature back in this offense? I do. And Kubiak came out and called him that. Okay. And that's how he was utilized in the Super Bowl. And I, I remember last year there were preseason games. There were games early in the season where C.J. Anderson would like kind of tap out right. um, of the game. And that frustrated Kubiak, who likes to use feature backs. I mean, the, these these coaches that – teach the zone blocking scheme they very much believe in rhythm and you know running back getting into a groove and they want to use they don't want a guy coming off the field and um i think that bothered kubiak and you know they used a rotation of cj anderson and ronnie hillman for almost the entire season but and it took them a while but they but they told us that they see CJ Anderson as a primary back because that's how they use him in the most important game of the entire year and even though they gave him that low tender they did match the big offer that the dolphins made to him Kubiak comes out calls him the the you know the the feature back the the bell cow and I expect him to open the season in that manner and right now I think that he's probably the the player on the Broncos offense mm-hmm. with so much uncertainty in the passing game that you can feel the most confident about I still think there are you know how many touchdowns is he going to score in, in a low scoring offense the offensive line still doesn't look great right a lot of injuries last year but that means like a lot of guys obviously that like they weren't going to get playing time maybe early on in their careers last season got a lot of playing time so hopefully if they are starters if they are healthy then they're better but I mean that's all theoretical and they did sign Russell Okung uh, they signed Donald Stevenson away right. from the Chiefs you know not not really difference makers maybe Okung can be a difference maker uh, they moved Ty Sam Ty Sambrelo to right guard and right now they've got Max Garcia and Matt Paradis penciled in at left guard and center so the o-line is still a question mark i wanted to get your takes yeah josh on jeff hoyerman okay jeff coming out of ohio state because right now he's atop the depth chart at tight end yeah and uh Devontae booker and then i'll say a couple things about the receivers yeah i know that they loved hireman coming out of college and i think they are expecting a lot of, out of him during his rookie season and obviously he was injured um you know, during his time there, uh, they used him in a variety of different sets. They used him in line. They used him as an H-back. They even put him out wide in some situations. Um, and as kind of an all-around guy, I think that's what he is. I, I do think he's just a guy, though, um, which is certainly very common at the tight end position. I mean, there's just a handful of guys that are, are even going to produce early on in their careers. Now, if the volume is there, perhaps. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Gary Kubiak's offense has focused a lot on tight ends in the past, or at least featured them in, in a receiving role. 
And and I think he has those types of skills. Now, Devontae Booker, the running back, is, is like like. Do you think he could be Owen Daniels? Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I think he could. Now, isn't he already injured again? Like like didn't didn't uh, he have something he, this offseason again? He, he missed some time with uh, hamstring, but I think he's okay right now. Okay. Um, the one that everyone's hyped up about is Devontae Booker, who's a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was an old college player, right? Twenty three or twenty four years old. And so, to me, how I look at age is, is it as impressive as someone 23 or 24 years old posting that type of production as it is for a 19 and 20-year-old doing it against players at that same age, at that same age group? Because undoubtedly, you're more matured physically when you are 23 or 24 years old. Um, Booker, I don't love nearly as much as everyone else. Like, people think he might be... um, you know, emerge as a lead ball carrier in this offense as soon as he was taken, I think that's a huge jump. I think he's a complimentary piece this year because after him, there's really, like, what, no one on the roster? There's Jawan Thompson. Um, there's Ronnie Hillman, I guess, still, but that's about it. So I would think of him as as a pure backup, not someone that I likely would even take as, as a, a, a late rounder just because, to me, he doesn't have the talent to really emerge but again, I think I'm in the minority in that in that department. Yeah, and I I think I liked him more than you did. Uh, but he's also a fifth round pick. He has medical concerns. Right. He's old. We have no combine metrics on him at all. So I think he suffered a meniscus injury towards the end of the last season, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, yes, and you know, I remember you know there's some some kind of more talking head types that. Immediately after he was drafted, they said, oh, he's the best running back on the Broncos roster. You know, I don't even know for sure if he's going to beat out Ronnie Hillman to be number two, who I I don't think I don't think Ronnie Hillman's great or anything, but he's got a year in the offense. And Devontae Booker is just a big question mark. I liked him when I watched him play in college, but he's he's a big question mark. Yeah, yeah, you have to quickly go to the receivers because you got to move on. Right. The wide receivers, I, I think, are. So, like, if you were going to do statistical projections for the Broncos, these guys are going to end up with a lot of targets because the complementary receivers and Jeff Hoyerman, you know, you're not going to project them with a lot of targets. But, you know, it would not surprise me, based on how Demarius Thomas played last year, I don't think he played well. And it would not surprise me if the pendulum starts to swing a little bit toward Emmanuel Sanders this year. Got it. Um, let's move on to the Chiefs and stay in the AFC West. Um, again, you know, not necessarily an offense that you go to um, in terms of a number of players with a fantasy lens, but Jerry Macklin was super productive last season, mm-hmm. was certainly fed in that offense. Travis Kelsey is one of the most talented tight ends in this league and still very young. And then now they really have a stable of running backs that we've seen all be productive. It really just depends on which one um, will get the lion's share or the or the large workload um, of the three: Jamal Charles, Shakarinjik West, Spencer Ware. Which one do you see opening the season as maybe the one that sees the most carries? And then, if if you could put on your um, you know fortune teller hat here, who ends the season as the most productive one? I'm a big Jamal Charles guy, and I don't think that this is a bad injury for him. He suffered it in week five last year. He's had a ton of time to recover. All reports have been, you know, overly positive. Um, the medical experts that I trust, 
have the utmost confidence that Jamal Charles is going to bounce back from this. He's not, he's not yet 30. I know people like to look at him as, as if he's old. I mean, he's 29. Um, but he was still absolutely squarely, you know, playing like he was in his prime last year. I think he bounces back strong. Um, Travis Kelsey is a guy who is frustrating in fantasy because he doesn't have you know, he, he doesn't really have monster weeks. He'll ha- he'll have one or two, um, and and at the end of the season, he he's finished as a top six fantasy tight end now, um, or a top ten tight end in back to back years. He was number six last year, but he really wasn't winning you weeks. And so and so because people invest high draft picks in him, he's kind of frustrating. Um, but you know, with Jamal Charles. He right now in fantasy drafts, I think he's a good value. You can get him in the second round in pretty much every draft, mm-hmm. and I mean I'm I'm taking him second round uh, every chance that I can. I think that Sharkandrick West and Sp- Spencer Ware are quality backups, and they were signed to backup deals, two years, three point six million, um, and I think they will return as backups. Um, and they gave Mitchell Schwartz got a, mm-hmm. a very solid contract to to play right tackle, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this was another team that went defensive heavy in the draft. I will say, though, that their scouts, area scouts, which they let speak after the draft um, and all these press conferences, mm-hmm. really hyped up Demarcus Robinson, who was a fourth-round wide receiver out of Florida. Super talented guy. Great speed after the catch. Um, great after the catch, which is obviously something that Andrew has focused on. Um, and, so, and, 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 yeah, and, and, he, and he may he may help them you know, win some games, right? but you know, he's not going to put up big numbers, you not know, it's it, right. It's, it's Macklin, Kelsey, and then it's a bunch of guys just vying to get scraps right. on a, you know, it's Albert Wilson, a Chris Conley, touchdown, that type of stuff. Right. Right. Sometimes they'll mix or when they used to like DeAnthony Thomas, they don't really like him anymore. But when they used to like him, you know, they'd give him these little, uh, these, these little, uh, sp- like speed out plays in right. the red zone. Yeah, you can see Tyreek Hill getting that this year, and DeAnthony Thomas maybe just yeah. getting cut. Um, okay, cool to move to the Raiders now. Yep. Okay, um, staying in the AFC West, like I said, the Raiders. So when I did this whole um, post-draft press conference um, series, all for every single AFC team, the Raiders probably gave me the least in terms of talking about good and, and saying positive things about their picks. I mean, they just were super bland and boring. I mean, the coolest thing was that they put their three Super Bowl trophies that they won, what, 50 years ago behind them. Um, that's about it. Uh, I will say, though, that this offense is super young um, in many ways, especially the Derek Carr, Amari Cooper connection. And when you look at Amari Cooper's rookie year, tons of production, right? And, and, a, and a good player, and yet his drop rate was still ridiculously high, and I think maybe the highest around the league. Yeah, he led the NFL in drops, 18 um, which I think was something like maybe around 20% drop rate, which is, yeah, super high. I don't think I've ever seen one that high. Um, but, I mean, I think we're both very, very, very optimistic about Amari Cooper in his second season. Definitely, definitely. I do wonder if he's being a little bit overdrafted in fantasy right now. I mean, you, you see him go second round, hmm. and you know this is an offense. Or Just look at the makeup of this team. So they've gotten a lot better on defense in a really short period of time. Their offensive line looks like one of the best in the league. They're just going to kick people's ass. Right. You know, 
I mean, they're going to be able to run the ball, and, and that really is Bill Musgrave, their OC. That's his history. loves loves to play power football. Um, now, with that, yeah. it seemed like the entire discussion in the offseason was that they're going to upgrade the running back spot, and on paper, they did not do that. And that's why you need to tell me what you think about DeAndre Washington. <laughs> um, so I was looking this stuff up earlier. Um, DeAndre Washington, I think he was, what, a fifth-round selection, if I'm reading yes. this right? Yeah, fifth-round pick. Um, an average athlete, and there's nothing wrong with average athlete. Um, but I will say that in terms of a passing down running back, which I think might be his role early on, he can definitely do that. In terms of the senior bowl, um, when we look at, um, pass pro reps and those types of things, he, he was one of the more competitive ones down there. And then obviously he uh, was a sufficient pass catcher in that obviously widespread air raid mm-hmm. offense at Texas Tech, if you want to call it that. Um, they really liked him. I mean, I, I would say that I don't think he is exceptionally fast in a straight line. He's more of kind of the agile guy that wants to move laterally and those types of things. He does tiptoe to the line a little bit, in my opinion. And so if you're creating a lot of holes up front, I'll be very, very fascinated to see him during the preseason. Um, and I mean, that goes for a lot of these rookies, but especially someone like him who, if Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray gets injured, um, or just does not produce the level that they want him to. I mean, the the opportunity is there for him to take, obviously. Yeah. I kind of thought of him as a poor man's Gio Bernard before he was drafted. Yeah. And he's five foot eight, two oh four. But after the Raiders took him, Reggie McKenzie described him as a complete back. Um, so I thought that he, he can pound it up in there, McKenzie said. When he gets out in space, he can make you look silly. He can catch right. the ball. But he can run between the tackles as well as bouncing it outside. We think he's the total package as a runner. This guy's really, really interesting to me. And and, and and the other part about it, he said you can't go through the season with one running back. And so even to me, that's him mentioning for the, all, the, all the other guys in the roster at that position, they don't even count. They don't even factor in. So it, it's really Latavius Murray, in my opinion, if I'm reading the tea leaves here, Latavius Murray and DeAndre Washington. Yeah, and this is, you know, again, discussing like statistical projections based on, you know, improvement that we anticipate from the Raiders defense, based on improvement that we anticipate from the Raiders offensive line. Like if you were to project Latavius Murray to play 16 games right now, you would have to project him for about 300 carries. Wow. But you know, would would it shock you if DeAndre Washington opened the season getting like a, a decent amount of work? You know, not not fifteen carries a game, right? You know, but maybe like eight to twelve touches a game. Yeah, no, wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I do have another question about another player on the team, though, because at yeah. one point last year, um, Michael Crabtree, for a stretch of the season, was like the number one or number two fantasy wide receiver um, in terms of total points scored, those types of things. Um, should we expect because he's he's dealt with a ton of injuries throughout his career. Now I know that our guy Matt Harmon has talked him up in the past and prior to last season. Um, should we expect close to the same production this year from Michael Crabtree, or could another receiving threat, maybe even at tight end like Clive Walford, emerge a little bit and take some of the opportunities away? I, I really think that this passing game is gonna kinda underwhelm in fantasy. Hmm. 
as a whole. I think Walford's interesting. And, you know, before we move on to the next team, I want to hear you talk a little bit about Clive Walford. Uh, Crabtree's numbers descended pretty sharply after he signed his contract extension late in the season. Now that's a small, what, four or five game sample size after, after that occurred. But that's just something to kind of, you know, something to keep in the back of your mind. I just I don't think this is going to be a prolific passing game. I think that Amari Cooper will have exciting moments, and I think Crabtree is a, a useful player. Right. Um, but I don't I, I don't think that this passing game is going to be like a big time big time for fantasy this year. And it was at times in the first half of last year, but the team has gotten so much better since then. I just, right. I, I, I think Derek Carr is overrated as well. Not, not in real life necessarily, but in fantasy. What did you think of Clive Walford yeah. coming out of Miami? So everyone was talking about my doppelganger, Max Williams in that draft. Right. Um, and I remember doing, I remember doing TV with Kevin, with Kevin Gilbride, um, who obviously, had a number of tight ends during his time with the New York Giants. Um, and he kept pointing to Clive Walford as the number one tight end in that class over and over and over again. Um, and I, I think we saw it during his rookie year. I mean, again, I would not call him a dynamic player. And I think that right. there are only a number of dynamic receivers at that tight end spot that can do multiple things. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of someone that is young and emerging at that spot and technically – has the skill to stay on the field in every single package. I right. think he offers that in terms of his size and his skills. But in terms of being able to create after the catch or creating a true mismatch rather than um, being schemed open down the seam or winning some contested mm-hmm. catches, I, I, I don't think he offers that next-level tight end receiving ability um, like a Tyler Eifert does. Okay, okay. Yeah, Um I watched a decent amount of him last year, and I thought he made some impressive catches, like along the sideline, some toe tapping catches. He did that in college too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he's an interesting guy. You know, statistically, I think you project him for like forty catches right now, um, and may, and hope he, hope he lucks into six or seven touchdowns. But I, I think the expectations should be pretty low for him as well. So let's shift over to another tight end, um, the second round pick by the San Diego Chargers, number 35 overall um, from Arkansas, Hunter Henry, the first tight end off the board. Obviously, the Chargers let Ladarius Green go in free agency, signed a pretty good deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, this is a team that finally gave Green an opportunity over the last two years, and he did a lot with it. Um, They view Hunter Henry as a complete tight end. Um, Do you expect, I mean, Antonio Gates, what, performed well last season when he was healthy. Um, Yeah. How much longer can Antonio Gates kind of be the – and it, it seems like he struggles to move even when watching him, but he still produces. I mean, it's for real. I mean, it's, it's I like he, he's he's laboring out there. Um, is this a sooner-than-later thing that Hunter Henry emerges over Antonio Gates, or can they be used early on um, this season together? I know what you mean about Gates, but he still gets it done. Absolutely yeah. he does. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um. You know, when Gates was in the lineup, Ladarius Green never did anything. And Hunter Henry's a rookie tight end. Now, when Gates was out, Ladarius had some 
big weeks. And I mean, he might have had one or two decent weeks when Gates was in there too. But it's he's not going to be a consistent producer. Hunter Henry, rookie tight end, you know, he's competing for snaps. He's also keep competing for snaps with their sub package receivers. You know, what are they going? You know, are they going to play three receivers? Are they going to play two tight ends? I mean. My guess is that Stevie Johnson ends up playing more than Hunter Henry this year. And, and, they, and they gave Travis Benjamin a sizable deal. And I know you're yeah. all in on Keenan Allen this year as well. Yeah, love Keenan Allen. Uh, I was hoping that they would kind of let him play at his contract year because he's a guy who has struggled with conditioning in the past a little bit. His second season, he kind of backslid, he admitted that his – conditioning kind of went out the door, but I, I still love them. I, I like, I don't think their defense is going to be very good and I don't think their running game is going to be very good. And I think they're going to have to throw the rock a lot. What, what does kind of concern me a little bit about this passing offense though, is the schedule. Uh, this AFC West has become pretty imposing from a defensive perspective, you got the Broncos, you got the Chiefs, of course, and now the Raiders, I think, are a, a force to be reckoned with defensively. Um, I, I do think that Melvin Gordon was obviously in mind when even drafting this year, mm-hmm. um, taking his running mate at Wisconsin and fullback Derek Watt to be a true lead blocker because they lacked a lead blocker last year. They used, what, three or four tight ends and, and just one of them as a lead blocker. Um, I, don't, I don't know about Melvin Gordon, though. I mean, obviously coming off an injury – a very subpar rookie season. Um, to me, he was overdrafted in the first round. Um, do you think that Danny Woodhead outproduces him once again this season? Oh yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I feel good about that. I mean, if Melvin Gordon has a good year, and I mean in fantasy drafts, he's falling to the point where I mean I think he's worth it. You know, he's worth a shot because he's falling to the ninth and tenth rounds. Um, but if he has a good year, I mean, it's, it's not because there were predictive ha- qualities because exactly, of ex- exactly. I mean, the, the best process move right now, again, it's until he gets away. To, is, is to stay away, <laughs> right. but you know, there's a, there's a point where the risk is kind of mitigated and that's yeah. in the ninth and 10th round. And really he's already there and he may continue to slip right. because he, he, he had micro fracture surgery. He was terrible as a rookie. He had, I think, 14 red zone touches compared to Danny Woodhead's 35. You know, they use Danny Woodhead in the passing game and in the red zone. And how are you going to score fantasy points as a running back, especially with more and more leagues going to PPR? How are you going to score fantasy points as a running back when your, you know, your receiving role is limited right. and you don't score TDs? And, you know, there are there are legitimate questions about whether he can play at the NFL level. And now you've got an injury added to all that. Um, preseason will be big for him. Even, I guess he's healthy, but preseason will be big because we know how narratives can kind of shift even in those first handful of games. I mean, just look at in the opposite direction of Mir Abdullah last year. Yep. Um, all right, let's move to the AFC South now. The Houston Texans, this was a fascinating draft, and I think you'll agree, really um, – specializing in role players that they absolutely needed on the offensive side of the ball. So now you have one of the most complete wide receivers in DeAndre Hopkins, which allows you to take true role players in a Will Fuller, in a Braxton Miller, and in a Tyler Irvin. But how about your guy at running back, Evan? Lamar Miller. Should we expect a lot from him in his first season with the Texans? I would. 
I mean, I'm exp- I think he's a first-round fantasy pick. The Texans in Bill O'Brien's first two seasons as a head coach have finished first in the NFL and fifth in the NFL in rushing attempts. Um, I think I fully expect him to be much u- utilized much more heavily in the passing game. You know, last year he was PFF's number three overall pass-blocking running back. Mm. He set career highs in catches, receiving yards, yards per reception, you know, he's just – he's he's maturing, man. And um, I think the Texans signed him at the right time, and I fully expect him to have a monster season. Hopefully the, – the the question is, you know, can he, can he hold up to the workload? Because he's never had a big workload because right. the Dolphins were idiots. Right. You know? Um, so now we get to see him in a, in a big – work in, with a big workload. He gets to face the Colts, Jaguars, and Titans twice. Hmm. Um, so let me throw this one at I'm you. I'm excited. Um, Brett Coleman joined me on the last episode of the podcast. And this shocked me when he said this. He thinks that Tyler Irvin will outproduce yeah. Will Fuller and Braxton Miller during their rookie seasons combined. Um, because apparently they're going to create this new role for Tyler Irvin that's as like a, a slot receiver, receiver, running back hybrid and have his own packages and be on the field a lot more than people are expecting. Um, to me, that's that's bold for a fourth round pick um, and also someone that does not beat first contact. Sure. He's crazy fast, but to me, he's more of an Andre Ellington clone than anything else. Um, if you had to pick um, other than DeAndre Hopkins, who, I mean, there's nothing really negative you can say about the guy and Lamar Miller. Who's your third choice as someone productive on that offense? It's funny because they kind of, had that role last year. They just didn't have the player for it. Okay. They would use Akeem Hunt and Seashell Shorts on these kind of gadget sort of plays. And I, I can kind of see that, but that doesn't mean that Tyler Irvin's going to have, you know... I mean, Will, Will, Will Fuller should catch around 50 balls. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and and I, I know you're a Notre Dame guy. We can throw that out there a little bit. And I like Will Fuller. I, I actually thought that people were kind of criticizing him a bit. You, because, you just accused me of bias on the podcast. Well, I think we all have our biases. I think it's just, you know, better if we're honest about them. Um, we'll get to Ruben Randall the next podcast, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I, I, I think Will Fuller, and, and they even said this, if you don't have a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, you cannot take a receiver like Will Fuller because – Someone that can do everything, win at every single level in multiple ways like Hopkins, um, allows you to have someone that just has a single role like Will Fuller. I'll say this, though. Do we think Brock Osweiler is good? Like, can he maximize all these skill position players, all these weapons that he's been given this offseason? I don't think so either. Now, there's an argument that this is a better offensive fit than Gary Kubiak's offense was, blah, blah, blah. Just from a pure talent perspective, like Brock, like wasn't good last year. <laughs> wasn't he? Wasn't good in college either. No, no. Um, so I mean, that will be fascinating. Like building up he, this offense. He wasn't offensive. even good in college, right? You know who that? That's that always scares me, right? A guy's not good in college. You expect him to be good in the pros? Um, no. And apparently, he'll be giving more responsibilities in this offense, like more checks at the line, those types of things. Like to me, that's the wrong direction with him. C- 
coaching narratives sometimes scare me, but I really like Bill O'Brien's history with with quarterbacks. Yeah. You could go back. You could take it back to Christian Hackenberg at Penn State. You know, uh, Brian Hoyer. I know everybody remembers his four interception playoff game, but he had the best season of his career last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a pretty good year under Bill O'Brien the previous season. Um, you, you saw Brandon Whedon come in and easily have the best game of his career last year. TJ Yates right. uh, had a pretty productive day against Darrell Revis and the Jets last year. I mean, I, I kind of believe in in Bill O'Brien and um, – I don't. I, I just. I, I think that Bill O'Brien. Really, what it comes down to is Bill O'Brien is good at getting the ball to his best players, yeah. and and I expect that that to continue to happen, even with a guy that is really not a franchise quarterback under center. Um, there's a lot to talk about with the Colts. Um, last year, Andrew Luck entered the season as the presumed number one or number two quarterback off the board. That's fair, correct? Yes. Um, you had Frank Gore, that there was a lot of optimism around him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to me, they really solidified that interior of the pocket, the fabric of the pocket with Ryan Kelly in the first round, um, yeah. the center. Um, they allowed Kobe Fleener to leave in the offseason, and hopefully that means more targets from Dwayne Allen. Um, pick one of those storylines, Evan, that you want to talk about. It's just the return of luck, and because everyone was so disappointing – Last year, everyone is a pretty good value in fantasy this year. I don't I don't know about Andrew Luck, though. I don't know if he's a good value. Um, I, I don't get him in any drafts. I do a lot of these MFL 10 best ball drafts. I never get Andrew Luck. I mean, people will take him in the sixth round, and I'm philosophically opposed, unless it's maybe Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton. You know, I'm not really looking at quarterbacks in the sixth round. Um, and I really don't like anybody else on the board. I, I'll probably look at Aaron Rodgers or Cam, but, um, you know, just with him coming back, I mean, the outlooks, you know, the the arrow is pointing up on all these guys, Frank Gore included. We don't have a lot of competition for Frank Gore right now. Robert Turbin, Jordan Todman, Josh Ferguson, uh, T.Y. Hilton. You know, we, we talk sometimes about on-field relationships with between quarterbacks and wide receivers, Andrew Luck for a long time has had an on-field relationship with T.Y. Hilton. That matters. Um, Dante Moncrief is a guy that a, a lot of people expect to take a fe- step forward this year. I do. Uh, he he had as many targets through the first six or seven games as T.Y. Hilton did last year with uh, with when Andrew Luck was healthy and Philip Dorsett. I'm I'm excited about him because I think that he is going to be a guy who has some big games. I don't think they're going to be predictable. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a consistent player, but I think he's going to have some big games. What was your evaluation like on Philip Dorsett coming out of Miami? Yeah, um, I, I think at his absolute peak, he's John Brown, but I don't think he's that good because um, okay. John Brown's a, a really good player, in my opinion. Yes. Um, Philip Dorsett, it'll be very interesting in this offense. I will say... Um, Philip Dorsett after the catch is probably one of his best traits in terms of being able to catch it and instantly get up to speed. And so when defenders are uncertain or kind of stuck in the mud on those first couple steps, he can pick up at least an extra three or four or five yards. Um, do I think he's as good of a vertical threat as T.Y. Hilton? No, I don't. In fact, I think that he's probably better on some of those underneath patterns to then set him up for those yards after catch situations and maybe that's his role in this offense. I'm I'm just hoping that 
at some point Dwayne Allen emerges because I think he's a talented player, um, but maybe more talented in terms of his fit on an NFL roster rather than for fantasy purposes. Um, yeah, if he stays healthy, he'll he'll catch touchdowns, and that's really the bottom line with Dwayne Allen. Let's move on to the Jaguars, who super productive offense last year. I mean, two studs at wide receiver, and Allen Robinson, and Allen Hearns, who just got a big contract. Um, Blake Bortles emerged as as a very productive quarterback. Now, there's a storyline right now, and people arguing, and you don't want to upset with Jaguars Twitter, right, Evan? Saying that this was garbage time production, garbage time touchdowns, yada, yada. Um, is there any way that Blake Bortles matches the ridiculous production he posted last year when every quarterback seemingly was producing. Max Wittick is the number four quarterback on the Jaguars depth chart right now, by the way. Max Wittick. <laughs> Thank you. From? From Evan. Uh, well, I remember he started at USC. Yeah, where did he transfer to? Hawaii? There you go. Right? Good yeah. for you. Good for you. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I, let's not let's not even use the word garbage time. That'll be the last time that we use it. Right. So, in, in daily fantasy last year, the Jaguars were you, – you always wanted to have exposure to Jaguars games, whether it was the other team or whether or it was the Jaguars. Every single week, you, you wanted to have some Jaguars exposure. I was usually on Allen Robinson. Right. You know, Some people got lucky with Allen Hearns. Uh, Blake Bortles was not a guy I jumped on until late in the season, but I should have been you know, on him a little bit more. But what happened was – there. They could stop the run pretty well on defense, but they could not stop the pass at all because they couldn't rush the passer. And their DBs, aside from Devon House, were pretty much trash. Right. And Devon House himself wasn't even that great. So, um, well, like other teams could throw the ball on them every single week, and they would be in a lot of situ- they would be in a lot of shootout games, you know. And so, look at. You know, it, it's similar to the Raiders. Look at what they have done. They've added six, seven new starters on defense. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to go through them. I mean, you draft yeah. Jalen Rams in the first round. You have Miles Jack in the second round. You get last year's first-round pick in Dante Fowler. You paid a ton of money to Malik Jackson. Um, to Sean Gip- Gibson got a good contract as well. I mean, Prince this of Bucamera. is Yes, th- this is an, a roster that is revamped on right. the defensive side of the ball. And uh, on the offensive line, they're getting back Brandon Linder. A.J. Can had a pretty good rookie season. They signed Kelvin Beecham from the Steelers. Right. Jeremy Parnell will be in his second year in the system. And you, you signed know, a power back in Chris Ivory as well. Yes, yes. Who last year led the NFL in carries inside the opposing five-yard line. Which he had 17. Yeah, because they wouldn't give it to Yeldon. I remember one thing. <laughs> one thing that you liked about Yeldon was how he he kind of it seemed like he was instinctive. Yeah, he would fall down, forward. Yeah, down near scoring position, but they refu- They must see him as like a finesse back or something. What, wasn't wasn't there like a a four play stretch where they handed it to Toby Gerhardt for four straight plays or something, or was it Denard Robinson? It was one of the two. It, it, it was both. It, it was ridiculous. Twice. It was yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but but. You know, either way, your your expectations for this offense need to go down. The first hmm. place that I look is Alan Hearns, who scored ten touchdowns on sixty catches last year. That that isn't going to happen, you know. And, and then you, I mean, Blake Bortles. Would it really surprise you if after throwing what you know, nearly thir- nearly forty touchdowns last year, if his touchdown count went down to like twenty seven or twenty eight? 
he he's overdrafted in fantasy. Just the team is going to be better, so we're going to see less fantasy goodness. I think Allen Robinson is going to be all right. You know, I I really do. I think Julius Thomas will will score TDs when they get down in the red zone, but your fantasy expectations should be considerably lowered for this team because they're better. Um, Duval, uh, his Twitter handle is at E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. So you can hit him up there. Uh, Evan, when I say hashtag exotic smash mouth, what does that make you think? I think that they will use Mariota as a playmaker a little bit more. I think that and then I think that they're going to play power football. I mean, John Robinson is their GM, their rookie GM has spoken about this openly that they believe they can carve out an edge in the NFL because teams have gone so heavy on sub package players who are smaller and they're going to go try to beat people up. You know, whether they have success doing that, right. I don't know, but that's how I see their, I, I see their, I see, you know, in an ideal world, Mariota has 17 pass attempts in a game. He has four, you know, rush attempts for 30 yards. And DeMarco Murray gets 18 and Derrick Henry gets 14. And, you know, no no receiver has more than six targets. And I think that that's how they want to play. Whether they're able to play that way, we will see. Teams have tried this before and failed miserably. Right. Um, but I think that that's how they want to play. And in every single press conference, they would bring up the clock running down, um, that keep the clock moving. And to me, I mean, I understand it, right? So, so they want to play ball control. They do. And and I don't know. I mean, I I am conflicted on this because you know my evaluation of Marcus Mariota. Like I I think Marcus is an awesome player. He is. Um, he is. And and in terms of everyone saying that he can't work out a confined pocket or blah, 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 he proved that he absolutely can during his rookie season. And he was dealing with getting hit in the pocket frequently. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and they took Jack Conklin in the first round, who I'm super cautious about. I have a lot of issues with Jack Conklin's game. Um, and then they took Derrick Henry in the second round, pick number 45. Now, um, Ray Summerlin was on the podcast earlier this offseason – and he said DeMarco Murray looked shot, like completely done last season with the Eagles. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. do you think that a couple weeks in they'll realize that like he's just not getting anything out of his carries and they'll move to Derrick Henry, who in himself is not a dynamic back, even though when they talk about him, Evan, they talk about his three-down ability and receiving ability, not just post-draft, it's during these OTAs as well. This will start begin, Josh, in the third week of preseason. Oh, wow. Um, so Derrick Henry's uh, running back practice pad work does not scare you at all. <laughs> Did you see that Vine, that video that everyone freaked out about or no? Uh, no, I guess I didn't. Okay, well, you should look it up afterwards. I think everyone listening will understand. But apparently he just like hit the pad three times with his feet and couldn't jump over and do all this stuff. But we uh, understand. Like, I'm a big Derrick Henry fan. Again, kind of like yeah. Will Fuller, I think he was picked apart a little bit. Um, but in terms of being a receiving back, that they said can even split out wide, motion out wide. I don't really see that That's in ridiculous. his game. I think I I think that we'll see. I mean, John Robinson's obviously in his first year, but in the past, this team has been very bad at self-evaluating. And people would get yeah. upset, Evan, if we don't bring up DGB. Um, 
because sure. I think he's a darling of a lot of people in the football community in terms of someone that can emerge during his second season. Yeah, and I mean, I love him, man. You know, I fell in love with him last preseason. He's just – he's a tree out there. He's so freaking big and he's fluid. Um, but I don't I don't know if anybody here is going to get a lot of targets. I think Delani Walker, who had a great year, he led all tight ends in targets. He led all tight ends in catches last year. I think he's going to be severely disappointing in fantasy this year. And I don't think any of these guys are really going to have a big year. Rashard Matthews, Kendall Wright, you know Harry Douglas is going to end up with a ridiculously frustrating amount of snaps. I, I don't I, 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 I don't like this team for fantasy yeah. one bit this year. So staying away from pretty much everyone. Yeah, and that could change with Derrick Henry, and yeah. it could change with Mariota. Yeah. I, it could definitely change with Mariota. Um, and I think that Green Beckham, like in MFL 10s where I play a lot right now, I think he's going to have some big games. Right. So I think that he's worth it. But, you know, I think there will be weeks where he has six, seven targets and he converts them into five for 110 and a TD. And there will be weeks where he has four targets and he catches one for 22 yards. Right. And I think it's going to be really, really frustrating. And I bet in many situations, uh, people in your league will take him ahead of where you feel comfortable. Um, I realize, Evan, with the Jaguars, we didn't even bring up Marquise Lee, but I think that's absolutely fitting in the way it should be. Um, so let's move on to the AFC North. Hey, 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 Josh. Yeah, what's up? Do you want to turn this into two podcasts? We recap the entire AFC West, the entire AFC South. Of those eight teams, give me one player that you're more optimistic about their season, their 2016 season than most are. Well, we mentioned DeAndre Washington. I think he's a really interesting prospect to monitor. I hope we see him get a ton of work in the preseason, like you kind of mentioned, uh, because I'm excited about him. Mm -hmm. I've started to take him in some drafts late. Um, but the guy I'm going to go with here is Antonio Gates, who right now in drafts goes ninth, 10th round. Mm -hmm. I have him as the tight end seven. Last year, he finished as the tight end seven in points per game. He didn't play every game. He was suspended early. He got hurt late. But I think he's going to have a big year. I think this Chargers offense is going to have a big year. Their offensive line is coming back healthy. You know, their their offensive line starters commit, combined to miss over 30 games right. last year. I think they're going to – and they're bringing back Ken Wisenhunt, um, who – under whom – they had one of the best offenses in the league in 2013. I don't think that they're going to have a consistent running game. And I think a lot of targets are going to go to Keenan Allen and Antonio Gates. And I know that some people are excited about Travis Benjamin, and I get it. He's got some big playability. He ran sub 4-4 coming out of college. And all um, those TDs last year were super long, right? Or most of them. And, and so a that, lot that's, of them. That's very difficult to replicate. Came off manufactured stuff with Manziel. You know, um, but I think he's going to be a low volume, low target player. And I think Keenan Allen and Antonio Gates are going to get fed big time. Hmm. Um, my, my bias is showing, so it's good this isn't a video podcast. Um, but I'm going to go with Kendall Wright. I mean, I, at some okay. point, this has to happen with me, right, Evan? Like, Kendall Wright, you start last season on that opening game, and it was those. Um, RPOs, those run pass options with Mariota and Kendall Wright, and the middle of the field is wide open. Now, I understand that defenses learn, blah, 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 
But if Kendall Wright can stay healthy, I know he gained weight, like 15 pounds or 17 pounds this offseason, which I'm not a big fan of. Right. Um, but, I mean, I guess this is his last season under contract, or at least I think it is. Well, he's cheap. In drafts I'm doing right now, he goes 13th to 15th round. It's got to so. happen. It's got to happen at some point. Or I could just be wrong, which never happens. Um, all right, Evan. Uh, so, instead of doing <laughs> – instead of – I'll, I'll retape the intro. Just this is behind peeling back the curtain, but we were planning to do all four conferences or four divisions in the AFC. We only did two. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And obviously we would always appreciate it if you could leave us a review or rate us on iTunes. You can also find the podcast on audio boom or stitcher. And obviously with the NBA finals ongoing with the NBA draft coming up, check out NBC's pro basketball talk podcast or Roto world's fantasy basketball podcast you can find them on the exact same platforms as you do this one so until next week talk to you soon reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.